0: But anyway, so good evening to one and all here tonight and to those join with us on, a, on our podcast service. Uh, welcome to the House of God here at Christian Outreach Centre uh, here in Charters Towers and you're all very, very welcome. I trust that you feel right at home and uh, put your feet up. It's going to be a good night. It's going to be a bonzer of a night. I want to encourage you in the Word of God and uh, I like ministering at the midweek meeting and because I often find... And uh, the people that come to the midweek meeting, there's a hunger in the house, amen? People who really, really want to be in the house of God or at the midweek meetings. And I, I sense that they always come with expectation. To those who log into the podcast, they turn it on because they come with expectation. And uh, they come and I'm uh, ministering tonight to hungry people, amen? And uh, to those listening online, I also sense that spiritual hunger. And uh, the title of my message tonight is For the Hungry Ones and uh i got i felt that message uh i was thinking about the uh the men's bacon beef and blokes breakfast and i think the next one after this one is going to be called for the hungry ones and the whole that uh, that weekend's going to be called for the hungry ones it's got a ring to it as well hasn't it and uh, now if there's no fresh bread in the house i wouldn't recommend that you come but i do believe and it's a big but i believe that there is fresh bread in the house today and uh, I brought it out of the oven this afternoon for us all to partake tonight. Amen. It's fresh bread. There's nothing better in life than fresh bread and fresh coffee. They're the basics, aren't they? And often it's some of the basics. As long as they're fresh, it's the best smell, the best aroma, and the best taste in the world. In 2 Peter one four, it says, "...which been, has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises." That by these or through these that you would become partakers of the divine nature of God. And when we partake, we partake in this divine nature is partaking of Jesus. That's the divine nature. The born again experience is the divine nature of God. Amen? And when you become and when you receive Jesus into your life, you're partaking of the divine nature of God, and you become a Jesus person, a Christ like person. And we're supernatural then and we made and we have the DNA of God imparted or imputed into your life. That divine nature, both Jesus and the born-again experience. But I'd love, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, probably one of the most famous sermons nearly in the whole of the Bible. In fact, if it's not, I'll be surprised, and many will know this, uh, some of it by heart even. And uh, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount, And all the beatitudes. Who's ever wondered what the word the beatitudes actually means? I've thought about it myself, and I'm thinking, oh, it's a lovely word, but wonder what it. But the attitude, the beat, the word beatitudes. Just for interest's sake, it comes from the the Latin, and it means blessedness. Amen. That's what the beatitudes means. And so we've all heard of the beatitudes, and uh, but it intrigued me. So I'd just like to read Matthew chapter five, and uh, just a couple of verses. And this is Jesus, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. Uh, this mountain, I've been on this mountain, it's just outside, or thought to be just outside Capernaum, not very far. And uh, they've built a church up there now, but it's just all grass. It's, the grass is about three foot, and you walk up the mountain, and uh, it was a, it's a natural pulpit area to speak over. And you could see easily five, six, six, 10,000 people could be seated quite easily on this mountain there. And Jesus was seated with his disciples, not just the twelve, but many disciples, and uh, then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and you will know these verses, starting from verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled." Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 and 12 are really extensions of that last verse 10. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I bring your word, I pray that you would open it up, open to and to be received by open hearts. We commit it into your hands today in Jesus' name. And so we see in this chapter here, the word, it's all in red, so it's Jesus' preaching, and it goes for quite a few chapters. Uh, all Jesus preaching. It's a long discourse, but this was the beginning of it. The word blessed here is mentioned nine times along certain attributes that the kingdom people have uh, demonstrated in their lives. So we're kingdom people, and these things that it speaks about here in these 10 or these first uh, 11 and 12 verses, they would be attributes that are found in kingdom-like people. Amen? And... uh, There are eight major blessings, as verse 11 and uh, 12 is an extension of verse 10. So it's speaking mainly of eight fantastic blessings, and these blessings are for you and I. That's why you all look so excited here tonight, amen, because all these blessings are ours. And these beautiful attributes of the kingdom and uh, man and woman are for those who are poor in spirit. Initially, you think, oh, that doesn't sound so amazing, but I'll come to that later. Blessed are those who mourn, but the, the meek, the hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, that's us, peacemakers, persecuted for righteousness' sake. Oh yes, that's coming upon the earth in, uh, in great doses in these times to come. But when you just, uh, just dissect one of these little verses, just a little, you can clearly see that there's three components to each blessing, easily pulled apart, three components, and they would be there was be a promise from God where the blessing is pronounced. When it says, blessed are, and there's a command to keep, or there is like a condition there which is made very clear. And a lot of people think, oh, the, all, the blessing, all the blessings of heaven are upon me. I can live like the devil, uh, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, Monday to Sunday morning, and, and then expect all the blessings of heaven. But you'll see here clearly that there are, there are conditions attached to all these verses. And, uh, and there's a timeless principle that in the, in the first instance there is that the kingdom of heaven is yours. And so I'd like to just draw your attention only to two verses here tonight. And uh, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so the promise of God or the blessing is pronounced blessed. And then it says the poor in spirit. So when you have that attribute of poor in spirit... And he says, and then the, the benefit then and, uh, is that, or the timeless principle is for yours or theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Speaking of people who, and you think that doesn't sound so amazing to me to be poor in spirit or to be poor of spirit. But in context, it's speaking of basically of humble people who recognize their spiritual poverty apart from God. That is a good place to be. It's to see God in a, in a sober light and to see yourself in an even more sober light that without him you are barren, na- naked, wretched, and poor. All these things. But when we come to God, we are made complete in him. And he says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that word shalom, peace, means all-encompassing body, soul, and spirit is made whole in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so that's the blessedness of it, being poor in spirit, recognizing our spiritual barrenness without a relationship with God. And it places us strategically to receive from God. A person who's poor in spirit is open to be filled with all the fullness of God and the fullness of heaven. And if God, you know, if God didn't want to communicate with me and did not want relationship, that to me would be hell on earth. Who's ever thought about that? Having come to know the fullness of Jesus, if you've been walking with God for any length of time, imagine what it would be like for the first time in over 30 or 40 or 50 years, however times, uh, however long it is that you received Jesus. Imagine if you no longer had that relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be to you and I, hell on earth? Oh, and that's why hell is hell. Because you have no relationship or even an ability to have a relationship with Jesus. Then it goes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here is the promise, for they shall be filled. Oh, isn't it beautiful? They shall be filled. When I look across at so many things, our legal system... uh, uh, all the things we see on a day-to-day basis, and I say, oh, I yearn for hunger and thirst for righteousness, but the promises of God are to those who yearn for righteousness, they shall be filled. Are you hungry tonight? Are you hungry tonight? Can I have a big hallelujah, Jeff, or something? A big amen. Yes, I am hungry. It's a good declaration to make. When I am hungry, you have a, an ability to be filled with God. Amen. The fact that you are here in the house tonight or listening in online is an outward demonstra- uh, uh, demonstration. <laughs> a demonstration. It's a wascally little wabbit. A demonstration of an inward need that we need God. The fact that we come to church, the fact that we fellowship with one another, is a demonstration of an inward need that we, that we need God. It's a great sign that you come together. Oh, it's great. It's an outward demonstration of our inward need of God, that we want God, that we are open to God, not just open to church, but to open to Jesus, that we want to grow in God. Is there anybody here or listening online? You want to grow in God. That's why you're listening. You want to grow in God. I want to grow in God, that we're not satisfied where we are. I always found the people who are, spiritually satisfied where they are it's i find it's a precarious place to be till the second that the lord brings me home i want to be growing in grace and growing in god i'm hungry for god because i know my hunger can cause a hunger in others and uh that we're not satisfied where we are that there is a hunger and thirst within that can only be quenched the bible speaks about deep calling unto deep and can only be quenched with a relationship with the living God. Do you have a relationship with the living God? Is it an intimate relationship with the living God? Is it just a a box-ticking sort of relationship, or is it something that is real? Uh, Not a a concept in your mind, but it's a, a reality in your life. You wake up in the morning, it's good morning, Holy Spirit, let's go. It's an exciting way to live, it's not boring at all. Sometimes you can have just enough Christianity to make you miserable. <laughs> Who wants that? No. Go boots and all. Don't go out ankle deep. Don't go out knee deep. Don't go out waist deep. Just go all the way. Doesn't have, I don't have to walk in much water to be over, over my head. But it's a good way to live your Christian life. Just go in, boots and all. And uh, that there is a hunger and a thirst within you can only be quenched. Yearning for and investing our lives in this beautiful, divine relationship that we can have with Christ. It's beautiful. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. As we all marvel, what is man that, that you are mindful of him? We don't understand that. That's why the Lord gave us the faculty of faith to even be able to comprehend it. We just have to receive it as truth because it's written in the Word of God. You may say, I don't have that sort of hunger for God, uh, Jeff, that you're describing. And uh, that Job describes, that Moses also describes in Exodus on the mountain with God. Moses, having seen all the power, having seen all the miracles, he's still the last thing. He saw the acts of God, but he wanted to know the ways of God, the Bible says in Psalms, isn't it? And he cried out with the most beautiful words that have ever been expressed to God. And he said, Lord, show me your glory. That was a man who had an intimate relationship with God and yet he wanted to go deeper. Amen? That's where I want to be. And that's where I want to encourage each and of, of you to be as well. And so Job values, Job's values are revealed in Job 23 verse 12. Some may know this verse. And it says, this is Job speaking. After all the stuff that had happened in his life, It says, I have esteemed, that's the King James Version, or treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He treasured, he esteemed, he esteemed greatly or treasured the words of God's mouth, this intimate relationship with God more than, we know that our most necessary food is probably bread that does not come any more basic food type to us than bread. But Job esteemed, treasured even more than his daily bread, this intimate dialogue that he has with God. You can value things, amen? I you can value the Word of God. If you had a, a Rolls Royce, you'd probably park it inside here. You wouldn't even put it out there for, because the dust would get on it. I mean, the rain could get dew on it. I mean, you could get dust. The Charter's Tower's dust could be on your Rolls Royce and you'd polish that thing, wouldn't you? Oh, you wouldn't let anyone steal it. You wouldn't let anyone scratch it. You wouldn't certainly let anyone dint it. You wouldn't let another car come within cooey if you could help it. Amen. A bit of dust and then you get out the little thing and you'd be polishing that thing. Why? Because you treasure that thing. Because you esteem it highly. Because you place a great value on it. So too, that Job, I have esteemed, I have treasured greatly, and you and I should treasure greatly too, the word of the Lord because it speaks to us. And it's the way that God most often, not always, has dialogue with you and I. And so Job's fellowship with God took a greater prior- priority than his earthly natural needs, even to the taking of necessary food, the base, most basic of things, the bread partaking of the divine nature of God was what sustained Job. The bread of life, Jesus described himself, son of the living God. He is our bread of life, sustaining us not for the day, but sustains us eternally, is Jesus the bread of life. The secret to Job's deep spiritual state was revealed in that verse where he knew that when more of his mortal flesh died more of these spirit man lived. And that is true. John the Baptist said it right. And sometimes we can say, oh, I don't have that spiritual appetite that we're speaking of here. And sometimes I don't have a spiritual appetite, but there is always a reason for it. You have a spiritual man and a natural man. If you continuously feed your natural man and your spiritual man becomes anorexic, Your spirit man can become anorexic because you don't feed him. But if you feed your spiritual man and starve out your flesh man, which is hooked to the things of the earth, to the things of the dust, to the things of the world and to the things that are perishing, but it is your spirit man, the one that we feed, and as you feed your spiritual man, John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he may increase. And when we're filled with the things of the earth, how can you be filled with the things of the spirit? Not possible. It's not possible. It is in direct relation that you withdraw from the things of the earth and tap into the realm of the spirit that your hunger will come. And I have noticed this. That's why fasting can have, or we can be religious in our fasting. I know that. But when we fast for all the right reasons, or depriving the flesh will uh, lift up or make hungry your spiritual being. Amen. And it will cry out deep calls unto deep. Jesus wants his church back. Who knows that? Jesus wants his church back. And he is looking for the hungry. He's not looking for people who are content with the status quo. People who say the most profound things. Well, if things don't change, they'll stop as they are. What a profound statement. And there's not an inkling of wanting to change and be changed by the Spirit of God. To allow a hunger in them to bring a change to the status quo. But um where status quo changes, amen? We're here to change the world and turn it not upside down, but the right way up. We're here to turn this community the right way up. People are happy to state this obvious. Jesus doesn't want just here in this house a visitation, but he wants to make this place and your place and your house, this house, this temple, this home, this abide. He wants to make it a holy habitation of his presence. Amen. Who's had great visitations of God over the years? And I think probably we all have. Beautiful experiences, mountaintop experiences. And the Lord sometimes has to take us through another valley before we come to a, a mountaintop experience. But a divine habitation of the Holy Ghost is where God wants us to live. Oh, I want to live. Oh, I want to live when the presence of God does not lift from this place, does not lift from our lives, that the glory of the Lord will settle on your life. Amen? Oh, it's a good thing. I have called that a a holy discontentment can come on the people of God. And a holy discontentment is not a bad thing. It is a good thing because you are discontent with the status quo and you want to see God move. Amen? Who's here is keen to see God move? I should have every hand. Come on, Jeffrey. Stick your hand. I knew you could do it. I I knew you could be a Pentecostal, Jeffrey. (laughs) I knew you could. Jeffrey just broke out. It was fantastic. But we want to see a move of God, don't we? Do you hunger to see it? Because we we know religion's not going to cut it. Just church attendance just doesn't cut it. But the presence of God puts programs to flight. Puts all of our good ideas and sometimes our pet theologies. It puts all those things. When the presence of God grips us all, all we become so much more like him. And so I'd like to go to Psalm 63. Read a couple of verses, not many. And Psalm 63, and this is David speaking. David speaking. David had something that I need. He says, God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Nefesh is the Hebrew word there. My flesh longs for you. He wasn't wasn't longing just to attend church or just to meet with people. He wants meeting with God. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Not just the power of God, but the glory of God. Amen? Oh, it's a good day when the glory of God just floods this place. And then it says, not because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. So it's more, not just my necessary food, but life. The very breath of life, David placed a greater value of his relationship with God even more than having the breath of life itself. But read on, it gets better, you can go to, and it keeps getting better and better, and it gets to verse 8, and I love verse 8 in different versions. Here in the New King James it says, My soul, this is David speaking, follows close behind you. Does your soul today follow close behind God? Do you have that yearning? Your right hand upholds me. Oh, I, I like it in, the, in some of the other versions. It says, in the English Standard Version, it says, my soul clings to you. Isn't it beautiful, isn't it? It just clings to God. Who's ever been walking along in a house with his little kids around and a little kid wraps himself around your leg and he will not let go. And doesn't matter where you walk across the lounge room, that little kid is hanging on to dad's leg. Amen. It's a beautiful experience, really. You have it courting with your grandkids. They grab hold of that leg of yours and you're walking around and you just got this additional appendage dragging around the lounge room in the house. But it's a delightful feeling, isn't it? But how much more does Father God, Abba Father, love it when we cling to him like our little children cling to their, mom, their granddad or their grandmother? It's beautiful. God loves it so much, so dearly. He loves you dearly, so dearly, David. He loves you so, he says, you're so precious in my sight, so precious. So precious, Regina, in the sight of God are you. He loves it when you just come and just cling to him, like your life and your future and your eternal destiny. It does rely on it, amen? How much so? It's just such a beautiful thing. And in 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 the American Standard Version, it says, my soul follows hard after thee. Oh, it's not a, it's not a just a, oh, just straggle along sort of thing. No, it's a desperate thing. It's almost like there was an old song when I was growing up. It was, Daddy, don't you walk so fast? And I can see a little boy chasing after his dad. His dad was leaving home in that tragic song. Oh, it's a beautiful, but you know what? The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Oh, and he loves it when we follow hard after thee. Psalm 143, verse 6, I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. When we see it so parched out here in the West over the years, and the earth is cracked up and the dust spin effects everywhere, I've seen it, that the, the ground is just as dry as this board here, not a skerrick on it, Oh, like a dry and parched land as our soul. Oh, but Jesus, Jesus. And Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it's beautiful. As the deer pants, oh, you know this one, don't you? Oh, the deer longs for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? Oh, as the deer pants for water, Jules and I attended a conference over two and a half years ago, a big state conference, I won't say where. Packed thousands of people there. The music was blaring, the walls, I think the roof screws were shattering because of the volume. Everything was painted black inside, it was filled with smoke and lights. I think the the music or the worship was about a thousand decibels and people were offered earplugs as they walked in. You could feel the the bass and the drums go through your chest. And uh, they preached up a storm over three days. And it was talking about how to do leadership and how to do this and how to do that. It was all a how-to thing for three days. There was not much talk of the Holy Spirit. It didn't seem to be that intimate, but it was, was good to be there and mix it with everybody else. The last preacher was an indigenous Indian man from India who lived now in Australia, and then he, at the close, he, he, he just turned everything down. The smoke was turned off, the smoke machine, the lights were turned off, lights were put on in the auditorium. He turned around and he says, does anybody know the song, As A Deer Pants For Water? Everybody left the stage, and an aged gentleman who we hadn't seen for three days, he stood up, played a few chords, The guy who was leading worship, 17 years of old, didn't even know the song and then he just strummed a few basic chords and then everybody sang as a deer pants for water so my soul longs after you. The Holy Spirit flooded into that meeting like we had not seen in three days and they said if you want to respond to this altar call And there was not room at the front, there was not room in the aisles, there was not room in the back. Everybody in the whole auditorium left their seats and they began to sing as a deer pants for water. And it just brought us all back to home. We can have all the bells and whistles, but if you don't have a longing after God, we have missed everything. And it just brought it all home. In one moment of time, the most honest preaching, sold-to-the-earth preaching, and it all brought us back again to our first love. It was so beautiful. It was a God moment that we were all looking for for three days. The deeper the relationship, the greater the intimacy, the greater love expressed in all these simple words. Moving beyond the superficial, the greater, or the religious box ticking of church attendance even. Oh yeah, we can just tick boxes. It's fantastic. I encourage everybody to come to church every week. Not a drop-in centre like the national statistics are coming to church once every three or four weeks. It's a horrific statistic for Australia right now. And it describes a, a nation in a backslidden state. But we're here to change that, amen? We're here to see... A move of God. Beyond the superficial, beyond just attendance, having to pray or having to worship. Or oh, who, who says, when you have to be encouraged to pray or encouraged to worship, why don't you just come and just come and pray? Come and worship with all your heart, with all your soul, and a strong and earnest desire just to be with God. Oh, that's 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 what Christianity is all about. That's what it's all about. Just that you love to be with God and you love to be with God's people. Oh, that's, a, that's an indication of where we're all at. Sure, there's hypocrites in the church. I'm one of them because I, I'm a faulted and cracked pot like everybody else. None of us is perfect. Amen. Oh, but when we just love Jesus, the more we will be like him. Psalm 27 verse 4. And I can see as I'm winding up now, Jules comes to the keys, and we're going to sing that song. And I think David has got, wraps it all up. And David had a focus, amen? He just had a focus on God. And we can lose our focus. Oh, yes, we can. We can lose our focus. But I see in Psalm 27, verse 4, and David says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, one thing that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and in to inquire in his temple. It's beautiful, isn't it? That's what it's about, that's what our Christian walk is all about. It's so simple, it's not complicated. One thing I have, the desire of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to seek Him, to seek Him and search for Him in a matter that borders on desperation, holding and clinging and following hard after the Lord. It's a beautiful relationship that we can have with Jesus. Amen. And it begins with one step right after now. We can take a step. And the biggest move of God is when we move one step closer to Him. That is the biggest move of God that all of us can have full control of. You are as close to God and I am as close to God as I want to be. But how much more so does He like intimacy? We can have a casual relationship, but the Lord wants intimacy with us and I think uh, great desires, I've said it before to have revival but a revival is a fruit of having a great relationship with the reviver because revival in itself can be a false idol it can be focusing on revival more than on the reviver focusing even on healing more than the healer amen focusing on the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts is a false idol of itself but i pray as you stand to your feet please i ask i pray that the lord has spoken to all of us here tonight i just pray he has as the deer pants for water we're gonna sing this song oh Jesus perhaps mum would get on the field
1: pants